from Cedarburg Public Library Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Chapter a Day Kids Edition. My name is Casey, and I'm the teen librarian at the Cedarburg Public Library. We have teamed up with CPL Radio to read to you a new middle school book, one chapter at a time. Tune in each day to listen to a chapter, or you can catch up by listening to past recordings. This month's selection is called Betty Before X by Ilyasa Shabazz. It's about a young girl named Betty who was raised by her aunt in Georgia until she is six. Then she joins her mother and stepfamily in 1940s Detroit, where she learns the hard truths about the civil rights movement. Later on in life, she marries Malcolm X, the influential African-American Muslim minister and civil rights activist. I love this story because it is all about keeping your faith during tough times and leaning on your friends and community for love and support. After each chapter, CPL Radio will play a few Motown and doo-wop songs, the music that Betty and her friends Suzetta and Phyllis listen to in the book. To listen to the latest chapter, visit our website or go to the CPL podcast page on Spotify. Sunday school is over, the first thing Shirley tells me is that she got the gold star. Nine more to go, she says. That's great, Shirley, I say. We join the other kids who are rushing over to Mrs. Malloy, making sure we smile real big. She gives each of us a piece of candy every Sunday as long as we promise to wait till after church to eat it. Mrs. Malloy is married to one of the head deacons, and she's also one of the organizers of the Housewives League with Mrs. Peck. Mrs. Peck is Pastor Peck's widow. She started the Housewives League to help support Negro businesses. She organizes the boycotts of stores that refuse to hire Negroes or sell products made by Negroes. They say since the store owners don't want to hire us or sell our products in their stores, we shouldn't spend our money there. Lots of folks around here call Mrs. Malloy and Mrs. Peck Detroit royalty. I see what they mean. Mrs. Malloy's fingernails are always perfectly polished, like the shiny pearl she wears around her neck. And her shoes! Mrs. Malloy's husband owns a shoe repair store, so her shiny patent leathers always look brand new. Each Sunday, she wears a different hat, sometimes one with netted lace hanging over her eyes, sometimes one with a big, wide brim. Her suits always match her hats. Plus, she smells really nice, like flowers. She is tall and slender with just a few wrinkles in her face and not one in her clothes. Mrs. Malloy greets me the same way every Sunday with the biggest smile that wakes up something deep inside me. Good morning, Betty, she says as she gives me a big hug. Baby, do you know how beautiful you are? I smile and nod, thinking, yes, I do, because my Aunt Fannie Mae told me so. 
Hearing Mrs. Malloy say it too makes me believe it just a little more, because she's not my aunt or my grandma or a family member at all, so she doesn't have to say sweet things to me. Mrs. Malloy doesn't have any children, but still, she knows how to love, how to look at you in a crowd like you're the only person she sees. I take my piece of candy and walk over to my best friends, Suzetta and Phyllis, who are sitting in the sixth row, right side. We go to the same school, too, so we pretty much see each other every day except Saturday. I sit at the end of the pew next to Suzetta, who is wearing a navy blue skirt, a wide starched shirt, saddle Oxford, and bobby socks. Her hair is pressed and curled real tight at the ends. Phyllis's hair is pulled back into a ponytail. Phyllis is the wiry one. Her long, thin arms and legs don't have much body to hold on to. She has light brown skin, like Suzetta. Ollie Mae walks right over to us and says, Betty Dean, I've got my eyes on you. You follow the rules in the Lord's house. You hear me? Yes, ma'am. I say. Pastor Dames takes to the podium. He's only been the pastor for about a year. He came to lead our church after Pastor Peck died. It's so different without Pastor Peck being here. I don't think anyone could ever replace him. It's different not seeing him at the pulpit or after church greeting the visitors with Mrs. Peck, who still comes to church and sits in the same pew every Sunday. Somehow she is still able to smile and praise God even though her husband is gone. The service starts off with a prayer and the reading of scripture. Then comes my favorite part, the choir. They sound like heaven's angels. I am nodding my head and tapping my feet to the rhythm and singing along. Susetta turns to me, whispers, You should join the youth choir. You have a nice voice. Thank you, I say. I continue to sing, praising the Lord. I slide my hand in my purse and pull out the peppermint Mrs. Malloy gave me. I make sure no one is watching, especially Ollie Mae. Then unwrap the candy and put it in my mouth fast, holding my hand up to my face and faking a cough. Susetta pokes me in the side with her elbow. I want one, she whispers. I don't have any more. Well, let's go to the candy store and get some, Suzetta says. Okay, I'll ask my Ollie Mae if I can walk with you after church. One of the women in front of us turns around and gives us that eye that tells us to stop talking. We lower our whispers. Not after church, Phyllis says, during offering time. The woman turns around again, this time clearing her throat. I don't respond. I just keep looking straight ahead at the choir, start clapping my hands. There's no way I can skip out on church to get candy. The last time Suzetta and I followed along with one of Phyllis's it-won't-take-long adventures when I was when we stopped by the ice cream parlor after school instead of going straight home. I made it to my house just before Ollie Mae did, so she had no idea, but I could barely enjoy my ice cream because the whole time I was worrying about getting a whipping. My stomach twists like a licorice just thinking about it. Besides, I know Ollie Mae has her eyes on me. Today is not the day to go to the candy store. Once it's offering time, the deacons stand at the front of the church, asking the congregation to rise and follow the ushers from the rear. Phyllis whispers, Keep some of your money for the candy store. Then she says, Walk out of the sanctuary like you're going downstairs to the restroom. When she f says this, I feel like that's a much better plan than just leaving. If Ollie Mae sees us walk out of the sanctuary, 
She'll think we went downstairs to the restroom or maybe to get a drink from the water fountain. We walk a long circle around the sanctuary, and when I get to the front, I place one nickel in the basket instead of two. I walk past Deacon Malloy, who is holding the basket, and I smile. Suzetta and Phyllis are right behind me, and I can hear Phyllis saying, Just keep walking. Keep walking. I know what I'm about to do is wrong, but sometimes I get tired of being the one who always listens and follows all the rules. The one who watches over Shirley, Jimmy, and Juanita. I try to look normal, like the words coming out of Phyllis's mouth are just the lyrics to the song the congregation is singing. Love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help, love lifted me. With my knuckle in my hand, I walk right past the pew where we were sitting and keep going. Right out the door, down the block, around the corner, to the candy store. Suzetta and Phyllis follow me. My heart is jumping and flipping and my hands are trembling. I don't settle down until I know for sure that no one is following us. I can't believe we just left, I say. Suzetta Suzetta looks at Phyllis. How are we going to get back in without anyone seeing us? Phyllis laughs. Do you know how long Deke and Malloy praise? If we hurry and choose what we want, we'll be back before anyone notices. Suzetta looks leery of Phyllis's confidence. But we walk right into the candy shop and start picking our candy. The man behind the register looks, o- looks us over. He is dressed in black slacks, a white shirt, and a red bow tie. Mighty dressed up just to come to the candy store, young ladies, he says. He gives us a disappointed look like adults do so well when you're not doing what they think you should be doing. I look away. I get to thinking that maybe this was a bad idea, but it's too late. We're here, so I might as well get something and quick. On the front counter, there are two oversized jars full of gumballs, jawbreakers and malted milk balls. The jars are sitting on top of a glass case displayed displaying small pastries. I want a little bit of everything, but I know that's impossible. So I rush past the jars and go straight to the aisles that have small boxes of candy. Phyllis is there already, choosing what she wants. She picks up three pieces of bubble gum and one small box box of dots. You can't get those, I tell her. Not if you're going to eat them in church. Why not, she asks. We have to get something we can hide in our mouths, not something we have to chew. Everyone will see us chewing bubblegum. Phyllis says, good point. She grabs a pack of sour suckers. We can share these. I pick up three candy drops, and these too, but after church, so it won't matter if our tongues change colors. Susetta gets three sugar daddies. For after church, she says... I pay five cents for my candy, Suzetta and Phyllis pay for theirs, and we leave. On the way back to church, Phyllis hands out equal amounts of sour suckers to each of us. The rest of the candy is in my pocketbook. We stop in the foyer, and instead of entering the sanctuary, we go straight downstairs to the basement and take our turns coming out of the bathroom, just in case someone asks where we were. Now we won't be fibbing if we say, the bathroom. We sneak back into the sanctuary like we never really left. Step right back into our row, candy in our cheeks, just as Pastor Dames begins his sermon. He asks the church to stand for the reading of scripture and says, Turn your Bible to Galatians 6-7. 
We flip the pages and follow along as Pastor Dames read out loud. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Pastor Dames closes his Bible. Church, he says, when you sow injustice, you reap calamity. When you sow hatred and selfishness, racism and fear, you reap destruction and chaos. The church mothers nod, fanning themselves with the church bulletin. A few people stand, clapping and saying, Yes, Lord, yes. Pastor Dame says, Oh, my friends, the Lord will not allow the suffering to last forever. The Lord's timing is not your timing. We must not be weary. For every tear you sow, you will reap joy. For every good deed you've done, kindness and provision and peace will be at your doorstep. More people stand, more hands get to clapping. He pauses and speaks real slowly. I have been young, and now I am old. We have come a long way as people. He looks around the congregation, and his voice gets loud. As slaves, we cultivated this nation's barren land, and we turned it into the land of milk and honey, so that every single American citizen now has the opportunity to call this great United States of America his home, he preaches. Our people did that. Your people did that, church. The time for suffering will soon end. The whole congregation is standing now, clapping and cheering. The pastor shouts, The fight for freedom and equality for all of our children must continue until every single American is free, until there is truth and justice for all of God's children. Pastor Dames is quiet for a moment, letting his words sink in, letting the amens and hallelujahs echo through the sanctuary. Church, we must not fight hate with hate. We must continue to sow goodness, forgiveness, love. We serve a mighty God, and He will take care of us. He always does. Pastor James wipes his brow with a white handkerchief. He takes a sip of water and then lowers his voice, talking solemn and low. And this goes for our personal lives, too. Let us remember that God sees everything. He sees our heart, every good deed, and every sin, every word of gossip, every lie. God sees and hears it all. I swallow my rock candy, look down at the floor, my shoes, anything but Pastor Dame's eyes. Did he see us leave church? Does he know I spent some of my offering money on candy? Pastor James ends his sermon with a prayer, asking God to give us all the strength to continue to do good, even in the face of pain and injustice. And then he says, And Father, forgive us for the times when we fall short and don't do what we should. Amen, I say, real loud. Chapter a Day Kids Edition can be heard Monday through Friday at this time on CPL Radio.